The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, I'm Dr. Will Cole. As a leading functional medicine practitioner, I have had the unique position to see so many alchemize their pain and health problems to their purpose. Now I want the same for you. This podcast is the manifesto for a new breed of health seekers, where there is a fresh infusion of grace and lightness into wellness. This is the art of being well. Join me every Thursday for a new episode. Hi, everyone. I'm Haley Hubbard, mom to three kids and wife to a touring artist. And I'm Jessica Diamond, a registered dietitian nutritionist with a master's in public health. And this is Meaningful Living. Every week, we're breaking down the overwhelming amount of parenting, nutrition, and lifestyle information into credible knowledge and simple tools. The Cliff Notes Guide to Feeling Confident in Your Everyday Choices. It takes a village. We're so excited to share ours with you. Welcome back to Meaningful Living Podcast. I'm Jess here with my co-host Haley. And this week we're talking to Chelsea from Play Talk Love, all about the simple things we can do to get our kids talking. Chelsea is a pediatric speech language pathologist and mama to two little ones. She specializes in the development of speech and language skills for kids zero to three years old. And today she's sharing all her knowledge, tips, and practical strategies around how to help foster our kids' speech development from a young age. After recording this episode, I found Chelsea's tips so practical and helpful that I talked to her more about how I can help Luca and Atlas build their speech further. It was so interesting and helpful. Whether you're wanting to know the simple things you can do every day to help your babies and kids talk, which toys you may want to avoid for the sake of language development, or which milestones you should be looking for, you won't want to miss this episode. And stick around until the end because Chelsea shares her top toys and which we should avoid and her favorite activity to keep your little ones occupied while cooking. And while listening to the episode, if you enjoy it, please leave us a review and share it with a friend. It's the word of mouth and reviews that help us spread this village. Now let's hear from Chelsea of Play Talk Love. Hi, Chelsea. Hi. Thank you so much for being here. We are so excited for this conversation today. I think fostering our kids' speech development is something that we all want to do as parents. And just sometimes we don't know those little things or those simple things we can do day in and day out to make those first words come or that complex speech happen. So we are so excited to learn all about it today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me here. This is going to be fun. Yeah. Thanks for being here. I feel like so often we get caught up in things as parents, like what are the best things to do? It must be this or that or the other thing. And there's so much information coming at us. And what I like to share with parents is that you can actually keep it really simple and still support your little one's development. So you're speaking our language. Let me tell you that. Like we don't have time for any of this complex stuff. We need it simple and actionable. And quick. (laughs) Yeah. And it has to be embedded in our day-to-day life because as a mom of little ones, you just can't set aside time. You can't set aside, okay, this is going to be our speech time. We're going to focus on this, you know? Right. Uh, I feel like, and the research shows that so often the ways that our little ones learn language really is within natural everyday interactions with their caregivers. So it really shouldn't be special set aside time. Obviously it can be if a child needs intervention or speech therapy, but at home it can be truly embedded in day-to-day activities and it really should be like, that's the most natural, best way for our little ones to learn language. So that's awesome. So when is it important to start focusing on our kids talking? Is that something we should be doing 
you know, right when they're born? What are just some tips to help getting our babies start to talk? So I think so much, so often we focus on, we want to get them to talk, right? And that's important, right? That is the end goal. But what I want to remind parents is there's so much that comes before talking. There's all of these pre-verbal skills that they need um, and should be strong because they are the foundational skills for eventual verbal language. So from day one with your baby, right? Uh, really just tuning into them and engaging, having them in your lap and making silly sounds, uh, observing what they're doing and responding to it. Something as simple as that. I know it sounds very simple. We're all doing that when we have little babies in our arms, right? We're looking at them, we're talking to them, we're connecting with them. But that is literally building the foundation for language skills in the future. One of my favorite things that really is a part of your everyday is to narrate through daily routines, even if your little one isn't giving you anything back during that routine. So at the very beginning of the pandemic, when we were home every single morning, I got in this routine of my son had just turned a year old. And I got in this routine of having coffee every morning because <laughs> I was home with two small children. <laughs> we all need that coffee. Right? <laughs> um, and so I was making coffee every morning and we sort of got in this routine that just happened where I was narrating our coffee routine every morning. So I would, you know, we have a little Keurig, so I'd get the pot out and put it in and uh, just narrate in a really simple way what we were doing. And although I was narrating throughout different activities during the day, this was one that seemed kind of special and unique. Like not a lot of people would think I'm going to let my baby help me make coffee, but it really was, we were able to talk about vocabulary that was unique, right? So we talked about um, push and pour and mix and in and out. And so I just narrated what I was doing in a very simple way and built so many skills. So even though he was still 12 months and just a baby on my hip, I was able to help him build understanding of these concepts that eventually he was able to verbalize himself. And I think that's so interesting because when we have a baby that's so little and they're not talking back to us or a toddler that's not talking back, I think it's so natural to forget to narrate and forget to talk about everything because we might think, do they understand us? Are they listening to us? You know, sometimes I feel like such a crazy person when I'm talking to them and I'm like, I'm not getting anything back. But I mean, once they get to a certain age and they start smiling or laughing or or doing something back and you're like, oh good, there's something. But you know, now our third is 10 months old. His name is Atlas. And so he's really so much more responsive than he used to be. And it's so fun. And you can see that, you know, you can see the benefit already of just narrating through, even if it's a diaper change or getting him out of bed in the morning and opening the curtains. And, mm-hmm. and so I'm so glad that you you explain that and just something as easy as narration just seems so like, really? Like I have to talk my way through my day. Like, can I just have a quiet moment? But, um, but it, it so pays off in the end. So thank you for, for saying that and just how simple it is. Yeah. And I think too, (laughs) you do forget once you're out of it somehow, those early newborn stages too, where they aren't giving you anything back. And that's just hard in general, right? Cause they're, they're crying, they're requiring so much of you and you're just like dying for a little something back, a little smile, a little giggle, giving you something. Um, so yeah, you do forget that so much in the beginning, you're giving all this input and they're not giving you anything back yet. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, let's talk about Lumino. If you didn't catch our conversation with Dr. Madahi a couple of weeks ago, go back to listen because he has the best tips for kids and adult oral health. After our conversation, we knew we had to rethink the toothpaste and dental products we were using for ourselves. And we're so happy with all Lumino's products. Okay, so here's a myth we learned. You only have one immune system. The truth is you have two. Your oral microbiome acts like a second immune system. It's your first line of defense against external toxins, infection, and disease. Your microbiome is working 24-7 to help protect you. So what if there was an oral care line that protected your microbiome? Well, there is. Lumino, spelled L-U-M-I-N-E-U-X, is the first oral care line designed to strengthen your oral microbiome by saying no to lots of ingredients that can harm it. That's why they pronounce their name Lumino, because it has no harsh bleaches, no artificial dyes, no alcohol, only delicious, hardworking ingredients that clean, freshen, and whiten as well as others without the harm. Introduce yourself to Lumino, who is dedicated to illuminating a better idea of oral care. We love that we can trust Lumino and all their products for you and your kids. And they're giving our listeners a special code to save 15% off your first order. Go to oralessentials.com and use code LIVING to save 15% off your first order. That's oralessentials.com, code LIVING for 15% off your first order. One of the things that I talk with parents about often is this communication pyramid. So I have a graphic for it on my page, but it's basically a pyramid. And at the very bottom are those pre-verbal skills. So looking and listening at you and um, joint attention, which is like shared engagement, understanding of concepts, and then gestures and imitation. That's all pre-verbal. And that's literally the foundation of that pyramid. And then above that would be receptive language, which is their understanding, and then expressive language, what they're able to express. And then eventually like speech production and sounds is more of the focus at the very top, right? But so often I feel like we're jumping to that stage of expressive language. Like I want them to be giving me back words, but I really want to encourage parents who feel kind of intimidated or frustrated by their little one not talking to step back and look at all of these other skills that they are showing them and kind of meeting their little one there and walking alongside them to those steps of expressive language. Because there's so much the little one is likely doing (laughs) that is communication. It just not, it might not be like you and I, right? Right. Well, that's reassuring. We have a two-year, almost two-year-old, his name's Luca. And he's at that point where you can tell he's frustrated that he's not talking much. And he's the second child. So of course, our first child, Liv, was very talkative, very verbal early on. And she kind of speaks for him. And so there's that. And then he's also just, I don't know. Uh, It it seems like he physically developed a lot faster, but Mm -hmm. verbally, he's just like not talking. And we hear a lot of like, eh, ah. And then this morning it was like screaming nonstop. And we were looking at each other like, I don't know what you want. And, but you're right. He communicates in such different ways. And so I guess, what can we do? How can we help him at this phase? He's almost two, basically, and still not verbally communicating. Like, how, how do we help him? And at what point do we say, like, right, who do we talk to? Is this something that we should be concerned about? Mm-hmm. Well, first, I just want to validate that there's so many other moms that are facing that, right? I feel like it seems very cheesy or just a general thing that I say to moms, but it's the truth. Our little ones have 
there are different patterns of strengths and weaknesses, just like you and I do, right? And I think so often we can get caught up in, oh, they're not, you know, like their sibling or they're not doing things where they need to be. And although it's important to monitor and provide support when they need it, right? right. It's it's really hard to not get caught up in it. Um, so I just, I want to validate you with that. Like it, it's hard. It's, it's yeah. tricky. Um, so he's starting to get frustrated probably because he does have those pre-verbal skills and he can understand, but he's having a difficult time verbalizing right. on his own. I would say, you know, one of the great ways to support them uh, would be signing in the meantime here before that verbal language, just because it requires a little less of him, right? It can reduce some of that communication frustration and supporting their understanding and then eventual verbal communication with play with like very simple open-ended toys. So in my course that I'm developing right now, which is going to be so great for parents, uh, I do talk about the four different stages of language development. And it sounds like what you're describing with Luca, that he is really in a stage where he's starting to use single words to communicate. And we want to continue to promote that, right? So one of the things I talk about in my course is the five C's. There's five different types of strategies you can use at different levels of language, different stages of language development. So uh, the one that comes to mind right now for Luca would be create and wait. That's one of the five C's. Uh, And it's really just creating an opportunity for a communication interaction to occur. And ideally, at Luca's stage, it would involve verbal communication or uh, it would set him up for verbal communication. So some examples of create and wait at that stage would be maybe pausing in a familiar book or a familiar song. So I think of my son, he really loves uh, the book that we're reading right now is Big Red Barn. And he's very familiar with the animal sounds or the words or the parts of different pages. And so I will pause and wait to see what he does. So I'm creating this opportunity for him to participate in our interaction and I'm waiting to see what he does. And then the next couple steps you'll see too would be filling in uh, or modeling, but really creating that opportunity for them to initiate communication or verbalize for you. And then another example of create and wait would be changing something in a familiar activity. Something as silly as like, if you're getting Luca dressed, you know, you're putting on his shirt or his pants and maybe you go to put on his socks, but you purposely put them on his hands and you wait and see what he does, right? So he might giggle with you. You might giggle together. He may not say anything. And then maybe you could just model up. Oh, uh, kind of make a big deal of it. Where do these go? And then see what he does. Is he going to point to his feet? Is he going to say a word? And it really just opens the door for a communication exchange and opportunity. So either Luca could fill that in with a single word, or you can model a word for him. And it gives him that vocabulary and gives him that model. One more example of create and wait that I would think of for Luca would be giving him pieces of a toy, but not all of the pieces. My daughter at home really loves our, we have a birthday cake puzzle where it's all the pieces of the cake and then there's candles that go on top. So we could, you and Luca, if you had this cake, you could set up the birthday cake, but then you would purposely kind of be holding the candles and see if he seeks them out from you. How does he seek them out? Does he just reach? Does he grunt? Does he say more? And again, this opens the door for a communication opportunity for you to model that language, see what he does, kind of follow his lead and really creates an opportunity for him to talk and for you to model for him.
We're so excited to share about today's sponsor, Element. If you haven't heard me talk about Element, you need to hear all about them. They're a tasty electrolyte drink mix with everything you need and nothing you don't. How often do you feel dehydrated or like you aren't getting the hydration you need? Well, Element is amazing. It helps keep you hydrated and replenish your electrolytes to fight off brain fog, midday fatigue, and even headaches. I found Element a while ago when I was on the search for an electrolyte drink that I trusted and didn't have any of the artificial ingredients or sugar for both myself and my clients. Element has a science-backed electrolyte ratio of sodium, potassium, and magnesium without any coloring or artificial ingredients or sugar. Not only are they a great product, but they're so unbelievably convenient. They come in grab-and-go packs, so it's easy to throw one of these in your bag or your pocket and take it with you for a quick electrolyte pick-me-up. And there's so many flavors to choose from for whatever you're feeling like that day. I'm still hooked on the chocolate salt, and I add it to my latte every morning, and it's just perfect for fall. Get your free drink element sample pack. Drink element is a healthy alternative to sugary electrolyte drinks. Each grab-and-go stick pack replaces essential electrolytes with no sugar, no coloring, no artificial ingredients, or any other junk. I drink Element every day to support my needs in motherhood and everything I've gone through. As a member of our community, Element has a very special offer for you. Claim your free Element sample pack. You only cover the cost of shipping. Get yours here at drinkelement.com living. That's drinklmnt.com living. Now let's get back to the episode. There are many things that count as words. So signs count as words. Word approximations count as words. So if he said fa for ball, or if he said duh for dog, animal sounds count. I was going to say Bryce's first word was an animal sound. It was the sound of yes. an elephant. Like the... Uh-huh. <laughs> yep, totally That's counts impressive. as words. <laughs> um, and <laughs> environmental sounds count. So like beep, beep, or boom, right? That counts as a word. Good. We have more words than I thought. Yeah. See? Okay. So that's why I'm like, just take a sec. And then exclamatory words. So like, uh oh, or oh no, those also count. So I would just say that in general, you want them to be somewhere between the milestone and the average. And if they're not in that range, then you would talk to your pediatrician. For parents who are curious about this, in every state in the US, there is an early intervention program where your child, if they are zero to three years old, can be evaluated for free to see if they are in need of support. That's so reassuring. And and just, it's good to know too, just because it's not something that I'm thinking of. And then when I get to the pediatrician, quite honestly, I forget to ask those questions. No, we do. Yeah. And so, so thanks for that. And thank you also for the tips because you know, as parents, we just kind of forget, even though I have three kids, like I, I may have forgotten what I did with Olivia and that maybe what I should do with, with Luca. And we do practice sign language we have with all three of our kids. And we started probably around, I want to say nine months with all three of them. And right now we're in like the crazy phase with Atlas and he's 10 months and we've just been doing over and over again, like more, more. And he's actually kind of saying more before he's signing, which is different from all three of our kids. But what are some signs that you start with? And at what age do you start signing? Those are great questions. So it sounds like you started right at the age. That's perfect, right? Uh, Nine months is a pretty good age. I think we can intro it at six months, but they're not really able to do much until nine. There's some babies that can, but my little ones were never really able to do that. So nine months is the perfect age to intro 
signing and whenever it's introduced, it sounds like you're also doing this, which is great um, to pair the verbalization with the sign. And when I talk about the best signs to use, really what I'm focusing on is what is functional, what helps them access their environment or get what they want or need, right? So although it's cool to know the signs for colors, that's not really going to get them what they need, right? So what signs are functional? So um, open is a really good one where you just open your hands like you're opening a book. Help is another one where you have a, I'm, I'm describing since people can't see me, where you have your uh, <laughs> fist over um, your flat hand um, and just lift it up for help. Um, those are, sorry guys, those are I'm such blanking. good ones. No, those are great. I have a question for you to, to piggyback on sign language because so in our, in our Feeding Your Baby Solids course, I've always been teaching for so long how important it is to use sign language so that they can start expressing before they have that expressive language, like you said. But some moms have said to me, like, if you introduce sign language, could that mean that you're decreasing their ability or drive to speak? What do you say to that? That's such a great question. Uh, I addressed this a, a while ago. And I feel like I haven't talked about it recently. So here's a perfect opportunity to talk about it. It's definitely a myth. I think that, and I still hear it now when I have uh, parents coming to me and trying to look for strategies to support their little one. So when we sign, we want to pair it with a ver verbalization, but research has shown that it does not reduce our little one's ability to want to verbalize on their own. Actually, what it does, it it does two really great things. The first one is it aids in understanding. So it's sort of like a visual cue. When they see open, right, the sign for open, not only are they hearing the word, they're seeing, oh, the action for open. That's what it means. So it's actually helping to build understanding of a concept. And the second one is it's turning on that light bulb of, oh, if I do this thing, I get this thing I want. So it's turning on the light bulb of intentional communication, which is a huge game changer. And is really one of those big pre-verbal skills that I love to talk about. Because once a little one understands, oh, when I do this thing, mom gets me this. That's huge. So that's another really great thing that signing does. Jess, I like that you asked that question because I, I get that quite a bit on my Instagram even. For the most part, people are so excited when they see that we're signing with our kids. And I mean, really, we just do the basics. We do more and we do like milk and eat and please and maybe yeah sorry we do sorry yes you reminded me eat is a really good one and all yes. done that's a huge one in and our house all, all, done. all done yes mm -hmm. and so we, we do those and most people are so thrilled when we see that but then I, I do get some people that are like you know that's horrible for your kids development don't do that and I'm like ah I mean I don't think it is <laughs> so no. I'm glad that you you said that Let's talk about InkyList. We're so excited that this episode is brought to you by the amazing team at InkyList because just like us, they're all about knowledge, powering decisions, and they've created an entire skincare line that's simple to understand, all made from transparent and effective ingredients. So it's so easy to use and personalized for your skin. We both noticed such a drastic change in our skin since pregnancy. There are a whole lot more fine lines and wrinkles and breakouts and even dryness. The hormonal changes, the lack of sleep, it's really just taken such a toll on our skin. So we're always on the search for products that actually work to get us that more glowing pre-kid youthful skin. 
We're so happy Inkyless came into our life. Their entire line of skincare is developed based on the idea that knowledge powers change, meaning they make it easy for you to learn about your own skin and what it actually needs and what's in each product so you can get the results that you need. We definitely learned that skincare is not one size fits all. What works for Haley doesn't necessarily work for me. And so we've loved how personalized Inky List is and how simple they make it. I'm still obsessed with their retinol serum. First of all, it's $9.99, $9.99. You can't beat the price and it works. You know us, we're all about finding quality products that you can trust. The Inky List wants to encourage you to make changes to your skincare routine with access to clear and simple pieces of knowledge so that you're better informed to be able to make the right decisions for your skin. Visit the recipe builder on the InkyList.com to create your personalized routine and find the right ingredients for your skin. We promise your mom's skin will thank you. Now let's get back to our conversation. We also want to talk about Talkspace, who we're beyond grateful to have as a sponsor. We always talk about how important it is that we take care of our mental health as well as our physical health, especially in parenthood. So many things have shifted in our world the last couple of years. We've shifted how we work and learn, and sometimes it feels like the world's changing faster than we can even keep up with. Just the transition over the past couple of months, getting live in school, keeping two toddlers at home stimulated, all while balancing a career has felt like a lot. And some days I feel like I'm just not excelling at anything. Well, Talkspace Online Therapy is here to help. They can help you manage stress, process life changes, and more so you can feel less overwhelmed and more in control. I want you to know, however you're feeling, you're not alone. I've been so open about how much therapy has helped me personally as a mom and in my relationship, and sometimes we need that support and unbiased feedback and guidance from a professional. Talkspace makes it so incredibly easy and is ready to help you feel better with a single message. They work around your schedule at your convenience with live video sessions and unlimited messages with your dedicated therapist. They offer individual therapy, couples therapy, and medication prescription services. If you need a little support to get through the end of your year or want to start building towards a better upcoming year, Talkspace is here to help. Match with a licensed therapist when you go to Talkspace.com and get $100 off your first month with the promo code LIVING. That's $100 off when you use the code LIVING at Talkspace.com. Now let's get back to Chelsea. Let's talk toys because I think toys are something that we have all around our house. And you talk about how there's toys that really help foster language development. And then there's some toys we actually really should be avoiding because they're not helping our kids with speech. Could you break that down for us? What are your favorite toys to get and which ones should we be avoiding? For sure. I would say really when we look at using toys to build language, we want toys that encourage interaction with others and we want toys that encourage thinking and that can be used in many different ways. So one of the really great toys that we could use would be, for example, blocks. So you can stack blocks up and down and you can knock them down and say, oh no, right? So you can do that. You can use blocks to build a tower You can use blocks for all sorts of things. When they're a little bit older, toddler age, you could use blocks to make a house for for a doll, right? So you can use them in a variety of different ways and it's encouraging interaction between the parent and the child. Another example would be a ball. Very simple, right? So a ball, just sitting on the ground with your little one and rolling a ball back and forth. You're building those pre-verbal skills of we're both looking at something together and we're sharing this connection over an item. That is 
crucial to building eventual verbal language skills because that's how we learn from our environment, right? So basically any toy that's not singing at us or lighting up at us, but is actually can be used in multiple different ways or just helps our kids kind of imagination. Yes. So there's so many toys that are deemed educational, right? And they're talking at us or they're moving and doing things for your child. I would say the more a toy is moving and talking, uh, the less you want it, in my opinion, Um, unless it's something that your child is activating. So I am a fan of cause and effect toys like a ball drop tower, right? Where you put a ball in and it goes down and comes out, right? There's no batteries involved in that. Your child has to activate it. So still a fan of that, but there's required action on your child's end. And there's so much that you can do to build interaction between the two of you as you play. Wow. Uh, I've never thought about the toys building speech development, you know? Yeah. I think too, when we take a step back and we realize that that speech development doesn't have to be verbal yet. Right. Mm -hmm. So you want toys that encourage and foster interaction. You want toys that encourage thinking on your child's part with the ball tower example, you're putting a ball on the top and, oh, it's not going yet. So your child has to think, hmm, how do I get that to go? So then you can join in and model, oh, look, we push it, push, and then it goes down. And then they get a chance to do it again on their own. But if it's just a toy where they're, the child pushes it and it does all these lights and sounds, there's not really much critical thinking your little one has to do. There's not much interaction they have to do. They don't have to look to you and as if to say, mom, help me, or what do I do next? There's so many language opportunities within these very simple items and they're often overlooked. So I really encourage parents to kind of, if you are if you already have a closet full of toys, kind of step back and look at them and see what can be used to facilitate more interaction and engagement with your child. And if you don't have much, but the item can be used without batteries and still work pretty well, do that. I, I've taken batteries out of many of our toys. That's a great idea too. So older kids, once they're talking, I think a lot of times they end up doing just some baby talk or they're not pronunciating the words correctly and it can be so cute. But what are just some things we should do to help them if they're saying, you know, instead of banana, they say nana? That's a great question. So our little ones just naturally as they develop speech, simplify it in the beginning. But let's say he says da for dog, you would model back. Oh, dog. Yes, that's a dog. So you would acknowledge his production as what you know it is. And then you would model back the correct production and not really expect anything back from him. You know, you're not going to sit there and say, okay, say banana or say dog. You're not going to require that, but just continuing to expose him to the correct version of the word. I mean, it's so, it's so cute when they do say those words like Nana and, and Olivia will even like her grammar will not be correct in some phrases. And I'm like, okay, that is so cute. But when we say it as adults, or when I hear other adults talking to our kids like that, if it's someone that's consistent in their life, I'm like, or even me, like sometimes I'll I'll realize I'm talking like a baby a little bit. And I'm like, oh, that's not cute. <laughs> so <laughs> like, what what's a polite way? And I don't know how to ask this, but what's a polite way if someone is really in your child's life, whether it's a grandparent or a caregiver, how can you say, you know, we'd we'd rather teach them this speech for reasons X, Y, and Z? Is there a nice way to say that? Have you encountered that before? That's tricky. Uh, I find myself 
kind of doing the same thing. Like my son still says Wawa for water and he's fully capable of saying water. (laughs) And sometimes I think it's cute and I'll like model it and I'll catch myself and say, okay, I need to change that. I think just being honest and saying we're really trying to avoid using baby talk so that he is exposed to the correct production of this word or Mm -hmm. words in general. I mean, data does show that parentese is the way to talk to your little one, right? So that's basically having more of a varied intonation and pitch, sort of what we all do with babies, right? Oh, are you going to do that? Okay. What a big boy, right? So you're going to be changing your tone. So that is great. But what we don't want to be doing is Oh, you woe little baby boy. You know, like not just yeah. silly sounds and not making, um, I can't do a good example of it, but like, that was um, <laughs> not making sense, right? You, you still want to be using appropriate sentences and words, but of course, in an engaging manner, but you don't want to be talking gibberish and baby talk. You could even say things like I just did, but sometimes, um, I noticed when I'm talking with my little one that I'll say Wawa instead of water. And I, he's totally capable of saying water. So I know I need to change that. I'm wondering if maybe you can be intentional with me about this uh, Mm -hmm. so that we can really expose him to more appropriate talk versus baby talk. That's great. That's really helpful. And then if you were to share one product that you couldn't live without for a baby or a toddler, it can be anything, just something that you've found really helpful or useful, what would it be? I recently got a shower caddy thing, just a a plastic shower caddy that had different sections and put crayons and colored pencils and markers in it. And then two coloring books, one that my son had picked and one my daughter had picked, and it just lives on our kitchen table. And so in the mornings when I'm trying to avoid too much screen time, I will, you know, get breakfast going and then I'll, it's already set up for them at the kitchen table. So then they'll, you know, go over there and do their thing. And it's just easy and, and perfectly set up for them. I'm going to adopt that, especially (laughs) for while you're cooking breakfast and it's like, they're hungry. They're, they're like, mom, where's my food? (laughs) Yes. And then one more question that we like to ask parents is if you have a piece of parenting advice that someone's given you that you'd like to pass along to other parents, we'd love for you to share it. I think just giving yourself grace is a very important thing. I think that we can get so caught up in what we should be doing or what so-and-so says. And even in our own minds, I tend to be a pretty anxious person. So I can get caught up in a track of in my own head of what should be happening or what I should be doing at this time. And then I just need to take a step back and remember that I'm raising two small children and I need to give myself grace because that is not an easy job. And I actually loved listening. I listened recently to Dr. Becky on your podcast. Yeah. I loved hearing her and something she talked about recently, which I mean, she didn't personally give me this advice, but she said something like, imagine the other parents that are around you. She was talking about your little one having a meltdown in public. And she said, imagine that the parents around you are actually cheering you on as opposed to judging you. Oh my (laughs) Um, gosh. That was so good. Right. It's so good. And I, I feel like it's a version of give yourself grace, but it's, it's, so important to not be judgmental of yourself and what you're doing. And remember that most parents are watching that meltdown or seeing that your little one, you know, is struggling with walking or whatever. And they're thinking, whew, good thing. It's not just me. 
That's yeah. usually what they're thinking. <laughs> they're not thinking, oh, look at her. She's, you know, doing this or that. So I think giving yourself grace is a very important thing to do. And we, we don't do it all the time, but when we can remember to, we should. Well, thank you. That was great advice. I think we all need to hear that daily. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I need yeah. to listen to that every morning. I know, right? We're, we're all doing our best. Totally. Well, thank you, Chelsea. This was such a good conversation. I learned so much and I really enjoyed talking to you. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you found something meaningful from this episode. Please follow the show, rate, and don't hesitate to write a little review. We also have a voicemail box you can call to ask us any questions, tell us the topics you'd like covered, or just share where you're struggling and how you could use some extra support. Call 833-444-FULL or 833-444-3855. We want to hear from you. And tune in every Monday for a new episode of Meaningful Living. And if you're looking for more ways to live a meaningful life, follow us on Instagram at Meaningful Living and visit our website, MeaningfulLiving.com. And don't forget with two L's. Can't wait to see you next week.